0: Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listen on discretion advised. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Blunt Force Gamers. Right after our intro tells you who we are, I'll say it again. It is I, Game Goblin, somehow surviving the pandemic with a 1 in 362,000 chance of getting infected. I think my odds are pretty good. I'm sitting alongside.
1: Cows cows. the Lord Dragon. And. Doth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side, and damn my dentist.
2: Well, they don't have good dental on the dark side?
1: No, I went to Canada. Of course they don't
0: have good dental. <laughs> he almost got arrested for uh, misidentifying his tooth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some gaming stuff, because we all know, uh, anybody who's been paying attention to the interwebs, yes... Mike Pondsmith does not have a Twitter. Good on you, Mike. Good on you. Uh, Let's see, uh, someone who played a character in a Star Wars movie, I wanna say his name is John Boyega. I don't know, because before Star Wars, he was a literally who, and now he's throwing tantrums on Instagram, trying to stay relevant and Last of Us 2 is still damaging the games industry like a motherfucker. Way to go! Your game is so woke that your crew is quitting en masse. That's a good selling point for your game. So, these two gentlemen that are sitting with me, I've decided that we're going to talk about actual, like, dice gaming today because that's
1: a lot more fun. Uh, Blasphemous, you care to lead us in on this one? Uh, sure, so Something that I've been toying with is ship-to-ship combat. And I'm not just talking boat-to-boat. I'm talking starships, flying fucking sea-going vessels, the whole nine. Because I want to plug both your you guys' brains into this. Because I want to find the best game for running ship-to-ship combat. Whether it be fighters, whether it be boats, whether it be a flying ship shaped like a giant noodle for some fucking reason. But in general, you know, cause with our current situation, I'm being able to get a fair bit of reading done into my primary gaming system of Pathfinder, but I'm trying to branch out because the ship to ship stuff I'm trying to prepare for my group is really lackluster. So I'm looking to branch out and maybe draw from some other rule sets. What do you guys got for me? Theater of the mind.
2: I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that.
0: There, there's a lot of that. Um, We did discuss this a little bit beforehand, and I'm just going to open up with the idea I had because it's the only one that, like, right now, sticks with me. And that is to go by Star Trek rules. So, in Star Trek, for those who uh, watch the TV series and stuff and has never asked the question why, now I will tell you something you will never unsee. Why is it that when two ships meet, one of them or both of them aren't crooked to the other, it's because both ships have an auto-writing feature built into the hard system of the computer. And all of the ships fight on a 2D plane while in space, which we know is a 3D plane. This simplifies combat immensely. Uh, for the 3D plane in its own right, though, I mean, yes, you are fighting on 2D plane, but you do have altitude plus or negative, which is easy to do if you have dice boxes. Uh, any sort of clear plastic dealy bob that you can set the spaceship on top of on the battle map would help to indicate that your ship is higher than another ship on the battle map. Like, everybody's fighting basically on the same plane, like you're doing naval battles. Uh, That's pretty much, like, the the closest I can come up with, with a smooth system that's not overthinking, and you don't have to regress to a flowchart whenever somebody takes an action. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's that. Like, uh, Starfinder has some rules regarding, like... Action economy, but it doesn't really have much in the way of verticality to the the playmat. Yeah, I think so, I think, um, think goblin has got the right idea. It's those anything to elevate um, your ship token or the opponent's or both is going to be a very massive help to any GM and the players. And I think. Like games like Star Wars, uh, Tie Fighter miniatures game in its own right. And shit takes five ever. But the the idea of a firing arc actually makes a difference in Starfinder and really ship to ship combat.
0: But well, we also see this in some of the other uh, forms of media, such as one of my favorite TV shows, of course. And a shout out to, you know, Dargo, Chiana, <laughs> Aaron Sun. You know who you are. Yeah. And my favorite ship, Moya. Yeah. And Pilot. Pilot is cool. I like uh, Pilot. Pilot's awesome. And they're, they're a little fun fact uh, the guy who played the voice of Pilot was also Chris. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Blew my fucking mind. I was like looking through the IMDb stuff and it was like Chris is the guy who played Crace is credited with both that character and pilot and i'm like holy shit that is a lot of range for an australian (laughs) no i'm serious though that's mad props yeah
2: Uh, he, he earned that
0: he earned that uh you also see it in star wars so not just farscape but star wars as well some other uh movies have done this You can go all the way back to, like, the early 1980s and watch, like, Galaxina if you really want to burn through an hour and a half of your life and never get a refund. (laughs) Uh, You can see Dan O'Bannon before he did Alien and Aliens uh, in a movie called Dark Star. And even with, you know, Star Wars does the same thing. Star Trek does the same thing. A lot of these movies will do the 2D plane fighting. Uh, One of the best examples in Star Wars is... The trench run that was almost entirely a two dimensional plane. Yeah, you got ships coming in from the side, but once the ships engage in close quarters combat, you don't see them like tilted to the side or anything or pulling any weird ass maneuvers. They're usually like, like when you see the Millennium Falcon flying through the asteroid field, all the TIE fighters that are behind him are level to the X ex- or to the uh, Millennium Falcon. You also see this when Anakin and Obi Wan are flying through during the Clone Wars on their way to rescue the Senator, (laughs) do it! When they're flying through the uh, battlefield, a lot of the ships that are over the planet are vertical to the planet below them, so as the space battle continues, the plane stays horizontal to every other ship in the sky, pretty much. Uh, When Anakin and them fight the Trade Federation in the very first movie, The Phantom Menace, again, you're dealing with a two-dimensional plane, and I think the reason they do this is because a three-dimensional plane is really extravagantly hard to not just conceptualize uh, for most common people. You know, like, it would blow my mind to sit there and play with toys and try to keep them in a three-dimensional plane. We don't see this in TV show or uh, movies like Top Gun. And let's hope the remake is uh, any good. But in Top Gun, still, again, there's a lot of dogfighting in that movie, and still they try to keep it on that two-dimensional plane because it's a lot simpler and easier for the audience as well as the director to keep tabs on everything so if the story crafter can keep tabs on everything they're going to be able to tell a better story and the audience is gonna be able to digest it better so my advice mr. Blasphemous uh, given all these forms of media especially in movies uh, retain that two-dimensional plane I would say whatever system you decide to go with should maintain this status quo because it'll be easier for both you to run and the audience to engage with and it's simple enough to still... It's not going to blow people's minds. They're like doing a uh, barrel roll in the middle of combat and their ship is 172 degrees off the port while uh, flipping the ass into their vehicle around at a 30 degree axis.
2: I think what it is, is like, the human mind is so used to having ground. What, whatever and however far that away
1: is, you still have ground. So is that why Anakin lost? Because Obi-Wan broke the fucking laws of physics and had the high ground? <laughs>
0: it's not I mean, my fault the ground was smoking weed. we were too. on a planet that was completely smoldering. That planet was baked. <laughs> there's that well no I
1: mean it's, it's just a thing of like you try to think about it when you're trying to go into a story and it's like alright so you guys want to do this ship to ship combat because you built a flying boat well now you've got ships that will because you, you think about like uh, that movie Avatar big blue people right Mm-hmm. you've got it to where he realized that if he got if he flew higher than the giant big crazy alien bird thing he could jump down onto it and fucking you know connected alien yeah thing without consent yeah uh basically and and that's the thing that i want to try and bring into the story which like all right you guys are gonna do fucking you know Predator tactics where you're going to be dropping in uh, over ships, whether they be on the sea or anywhere else. You know, they've got a drop system in the bottom of this, so i got to figure that into the the game. Just remember, whatever awesome things the
0: players will think of, the enemies probably thought of first. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is why I don't, you know, do military stuff in real life, you know, because... Anything I could think of would be thought of before somebody is like, Hey, you know what? I should build a bomb and launch it in Montana. Hypothetically, (laughs) for the FBI out there. Somebody else has probably already done this. It's like every good story has already been written kind of thing, you know? Uh, So when the player characters decide that they're going to start dropping onto other ships, I am sure at some point in time that the military complex of the world that they live in has also developed a ship that has, oh, say, a cloak of invisibility already built into it.
2: At least over the top.
0: No, no, not over the top. Just like the ship goes invisible with all people on board. You know, they they totally Philadelphia project that shit. Oh,
2: sphere of invisibility.
0: Sphere of invisibility. So the players are like, get into a battle and suddenly people start boarding their ship from nowhere. It'll blow their fucking minds.
2: <laughs>
0: Remember, any good idea that's been thought of by the player characters has already been thought of by the enemy first. Usually, usually. I mean,
2: if it's if it's uh, it's the super niche stuff, like how do we get out of this immediate situation? Uh, I've got this rope trick we can do. You you know, that that starts falling rule of cool.
0: It, well, if we look in antiquity, uh, and of course this is staying on the theme of naval battles in its own right. Mm-hmm. Look up Archimedes who literally, uh, the enemy said that he would fill his water jug by using the boats of the enemies to pour water into his glass because he, ju- he built this giant fucking claw, and enemy ships would come into harbor, and he'd reach out with this big-ass claw, pick up their boat, lift it out of the water, and then drop it back on the water so it would capsize. I and- so, player characters, yeah, they can be as cool as they want with this airship. I'm just saying that there's going to be somebody out there who has their own Archimedes. They're going to develop technology that will be on par or better than the player characters. I'm just saying. Some empire out there, some country is going to have their own personal Archimedes, if not that one, but a, a couple more. Or you're going to have uh, the group run into basically what amounts to Persia, and the group winds up as the 300. 300. They're going to get a great depth out of it, but there's going to be a lot of numbers.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing, but it also spans into I've been beginning my delve into the Star Wars role-playing game, and I really, really enjoy a couple of the ships. That In fact, I actually went and bought the um, mini Star Wars Armada because I actually have that playset, and the Star Wars X-Wing version of the same ship. That way I could have it at two different scales for gaming purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, actually that that
0: does bring up a good point though for space battles. Uh, not only are we going to be dealing with a 2D plane, we're going to have to follow another rule here that makes a lot of sense. And I as a GM have failed in this one more than once before I was like, you know what, there's a reason why people don't do this. Do not engage in mass combat as much as possible. Uh, Again, this is a game where the player characters the party has to have the spotlight on them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And in role-playing terms, whether it's Star Wars or D&D or Pathfinder or anything like that, keep the action around the group centered around small uh, skirmish battles.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, You know, especially in ship combat. Like, if they're each running a fighter, you can kind of do fighter swarms. But if they're not, you have to be very, very careful about, one, how many enemies, and two, how those enemies coordinate with each other.
0: Yeah, just just run at least one mass battle on a normal plane, okay? Just mm-hmm. like, you have the player characters on one side, you have the army on the other side, it is a normal, flat, plane. okay, in Minecraft terms, it is a flat world, there's, there's no trees, nothing in the way, no elevation... And just run a mass battle of, say, 500 army people against 500 army people. And the player characters happen to be on just one side. Just do that as a mass battle and try to keep track of all of those numbers per turn. Oh, God. Yeah. Now imagine doing this in space with uh, space rules. And 3D. Yeah, for 3D, like drift and turn and, you know, access points. Yaw, pitch, roll, access points. Oh God, I
1: just, oh my, I just, I think I gave myself leukemia just visualizing (laughs) that. Well, I mean, it's definitely a thing where like you want to try and do it, but I, I'm wanting to run a game in the, what they call legends canon now of post empire when all the big fleet commanders that were left all just sort of became system Lords and they ruled over small you know fiefdoms really systems or nebulae and such and their primary mode was like all right i'm going to send out a strike team and that's what i want the player characters to be as a strike team of like fucking uh imperial stormtroopers who are basically serving this new lord and it's kind of going to put it in the same era uh, time wise as the mandalorian ah uh, damn it hmm Oh, you, well, you
0: were mentioning this game earlier, and I was thinking, you know what? Uh, what would be really cool to play is a chess. I've never played a chess before, and I really do love that species. Um, call it a cult, uh, cultural appreciation, if you want. I'm not a big fan of Thrawn. I just, in general, like the chess. Uh, they're, they're an interesting species, uh, lore wise, anyway. And I really hate killing them on Kashyyyk when I play Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, but they're aggro to me, and. You know what yourself. I need loot, okay? <laughs> I I got bills to pay. No, so I was thinking of the species and like if the player characters are Imperial Stormtroopers, you would just totally murdered
1: my Ewok idea. Well, now it's they're using <clears throat> Imperial Tech, you know, it could even be I'd have to talk to my players that they literally just Well you need so the, the ship I have in mind requires a ninety person crew to run it effectively. That includes either four TIE Fighters or a bomber and two TIE Fighters. That's what can fit in the hull. And you would need everyone else to run stuff, you know, fire cannons, keep the engines going, life support, medical staff. You would need 90 people. So there would have to be either they stole this ship or they're Imperials who basically are like, fuck this, we're striking out on our own and we be pirates.
0: Well, Well, no, 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 no. They could have bought it. Right? Yeah,
2: I, I you mean, can buy them legit.
0: You can buy them legit. Well, not just that. I mean, what happened after the fall of the USSR? You, If you had the money for it, you could buy anything from Russia. You want a nuclear sub? Boom. You bought a nuclear sub. You want a helicopter? Bam. You have a helicopter. They were selling pretty much everything wholesale. So when the empire fell
2: it stands to reason it they stands use... to
0: reason somebody may have not been able to maintain this massive uh, shipyard off to the side and they were going to have to deal with raiders anyway so why not liquidate some of that to interested parties get some creds and get the fuck out of dodge
1: yeah true yeah but then so well, at there's... that point they're running from the empire because they have empire gear and the remaining empire sections they're like Yo, we need some of that gear because our shit's falling apart and you've also got the quote unquote new republic coming up and you gotta decide whether or not you want to skirt those laws no 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 I will trade them information for my safety to either side oh no
0: no no just straight up I will trade them information my character will have like force sensitivity for one use Mm -hmm. one fucking use that's it after that no more force powers okay none But I will use that force power for clairvoyance and tell them to carpet bomb Jakku now. (laughs) Just wipe the fucking planet off of the galactic map, and it will save them a lot of trouble. I get to keep the ship, but they get to wipe out Jakku. And maybe later down the line, they'll figure things out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely will be interesting. And I... I would be for that, you know, as an interesting story thing. You'd just be the the fucking crazy little Ewok swearing that they need to fucking get rid of Jakku for some fucking reason. I
2: mean, another thing to keep in mind, especially in the Star Wars universe, droids. Droids are a thing. You can staff ships with them. You get a bunch of protocol droids or... uh...
1: Yes, but in the game system, there are things for having droids and you have to maintain them and all that that and droids also have this little
0: quirk to them <laughs> that they eventually if they're left online long enough uh they basically develop a lesser form of sentience
2: or a personality uh,
0: at least. or at least a very a personality this is how we got four long. this is how we got ig88 this is how we get you know hk99 or hk4 or yeah uh, hk47 yeah Uh, They develop a personnel. There's even other droids in there that were purposely programmed to be horrible, evil, malicious, baddest, bastards. Uh, There's actually one from the Resistees. Actually, in the first movie, it's a side thing that's still in canon. One of the commanders there, he had a uh, droid from the trade war with Naboo. He actually got one of the Raja Raja droids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Painted it up like red and black to be all scary looking and then turned it into a freaking psychopath. (laughs) He intentionally made a psycho killer robot out of one of those. So, droids have a tendency in that system to be awesome, but at the same time, it's also a warning that, you know, you need to turn it off occasionally and wipe its memory or it develops a personality and might just go on a killing spree on a pleasure boat.
2: Or, you know, we get tales of uh, Doc Martin making a, a droid character a little, uh, like rebuild like R2 style I forget what they're called yeah they're not, they're not an astromech astromech thank you so this astromech joyrided a uh Hello. Sith Starfighter he stole it <laughs> so you get this kind of crazy shit happening and mind you this was a player character but just the same it's a warning about
0: droids well actually there's a one there is actually one super awesome thing about droids not just in space combat but in game and i know this is a divergence a bit from our primary topic here but droids are not going to go into every tavern and possibly try to get as drunk as possible in every tavern and every time that your players characters you know come to a planet to resupply their stock and supplies and all that crap They're not going to try to, like, leave behind half a dozen pregnant women at the same time. They're not out to pillage and loot and rape everything they can. They're just, they're droids. Droids droids can't get drunk. So, you know what? A droid bard would be actually kind of like a weird paradox.
1: I mean, it, at that point, you're carrying around a boombox. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, you got a walking boombox, you know, and he's like, got charisma coming out of the ass, but he's not, like, trying to, like, lay the dragon.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that, that's definitely one thing, but then it kind of becomes a cop-out to the whole deal of you got to run a ship, you know? Because right. then it's like, well, with the way I've, I've been doing it up till now, my characters that are... Two levels away from taking leadership and then they will have full use of their ship until then they're going to be able to fly back park it and the crew that was hired to drive it there is going to hop their happy asses on a couple of carts and fucking ride out because there's not enough gold that they have that they could pay these people to stay and run the ship because they need leadership in order to have at least each of them Play a member of the crew who is always part of the crew. They never go with them on the landing party.
0: Well, part of leadership uh, in the Pathfinder system, and even those systems that incorporate it, part of the leadership feat. Uh, say you're running a ship. Okay, we got kind of past the combat part, which is mm-hmm. you know tough and it's real in its own regards. When you're running a ship, especially in a space campaign, my first thought is that ship should be run similarly to a village and that's where leadership feat comes into play if i take leadership with a character yes i get my cohort who's two levels below me and is willing to follow me on adventures and risk life and limb to learn from somebody who's already done all these things because you know that's what people do they apprentice yeah but below that cohort who's two levels below me is a whole gaggle of other people who think i'm super cool i'm the bee's knees i'm the cat's pajamas and they're willing to help me out whenever if I need a place to sleep or uh, whatnot or if I need a hot meal. But these individuals usually form together in their own village and become very self-sufficient. They'll take care of their own food needs. They'll develop friendships amongst one another. Uh, one of them will become basically you know, the village witch or healer. So when a ship is involved and people take leadership... It almost runs itself in the background and for the player character when they come into the village, sure, they're gonna have to cohort following them around. But the next highest level person or most uh, senior most senior person, yes. Uh, basically I as the player character would give them orders mm. or at least strongly worded suggestions, you know, like, hey, we should expand in this direction or the village, you know, we, we need to do this, I'm willing to help finance it. You know so we need to build a well or we need to you know work on the fortifications the same thing could go with a ship our ship is out in space so i'm with them more often than not yeah. so i would have to develop a management system where i talk to the most senior person i'm like look everybody looks up to you they all look up to me but i'm hella busy so i'm gonna need somebody to go through between what goes on, on the ship and our needs and since they're you know basically living on my ship you know, they're my crew, I'm going to take care of them and everything, but we're going to have to set up, you know, a hydroponics bay on the ship, we're going to need a medical quarters, we're going to need to retrofit the hangar bay.
1: You're going to need that group of fucking mechanic monkeys that run around keeping my bird flying. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Not
2: only, not only all of this, (sighs) you, you're going to have to, you know, have a system of communication, a liaison, which is more or less what you're talking about.
0: Exactly, yes. You need
2: a liaison with the people that you lead because otherwise, it's just
1: fandom. (laughs) Well, yeah, otherwise it's just (laughs) fandom. It's fandom fandom Well, then, like,
0: something goes wrong, say um, the, the power grid is having failures. Now, why is the player character have to go below deck and look for random NPC follower number 43 who's going to direct me to random NPC follower number 47? Who might. Who might. So who then, has a
2: little bit of an idea, but you know, uh, I've got this colleague, number, number I think he's Oh 32. yeah, then I got then, yeah. He's no. over there in like the brig.
0: Or maybe it was number nine, guy. I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and now, now you've got this wild goose chase to hunt down the fucking information so you can get the damn shit fixed.
0: And, exactly. And usually those uh, situations, usually, not always the case, are not very fun for either GM or player. Because mm-hmm. the player feels like they're having their time wasted while the GM is just like, Well, you set this up, now I have to run through it, and I don't want to.
2: Yeah. It's you know, like every every company has people, you know, at various stages that you would bring up in theory, any complaints, concerns, or ideas. Not all not all places are going to honor them, but someone the has someone the general
1: has, consensus is they're the shitheel
2: Yeah. So you've got hey, I've got this thing. Maybe you could pass it up the chain. Bop, bop, bop. Now it's, you know, three steps up the chain and the player characters are finally hearing about it. Well, mm. this is
0: also why the VP of our company doesn't walk down to the floor and specifically ask me about where certain parts are located while they're in process. He usually has a chain of command where he talks to the head of production control. And the head of production control goes, okay, well, I assign this to Eddie. And Eddie comes out to the floor and asks me where it is because Eddie is more familiar with what's going on between... You know, he's, he's middle management. He's more familiar with what's going on between their numbers and what's actually physically happening, more so than the VP. So the player characters are like the VP. Why would the player characters walk all the way down to the floor and ask me about something specific when they should have a management system set up so they can ask the head of that department to go look for it and mm-hmm. he's got his own crew and he's like, you know, dispensing amongst somebody else. You know, that's the way companies and military and other organizations work. Player characters should be no different on whether it's a village or a starship.
1: Exactly. They go to the fucking boss and go, yo, I need this. Boss goes to their guy, yo, I need this. Their guy goes to their other guy and goes, yo, I need this. Which then goes find the little Timmy son of a bitch who does that and brings him up the chain or brings the information fucking one to the next.
0: Well, the flow right. of information will go a lot faster, too. I mean, say the power grid in the ship, again, goes down. Well, then I, as the player character, go to my intermediary, the, the number one there, who runs the ship when I'm uh, taking short leave or going on a mission or whatever, and I'm like, hey, look, we got a problem with the power grid. Talk to the head mechanics. Get mm-hmm. this fixed. Well, then he's going to communicate with the head mechanics, and the head mechanics are going to know who's currently on duty in that section of the ship. yeah, He's going to go, oh, well, it's 47, 9, and 12. They were assigned on that shift this morning. Also number 18 to go along with them, you know, and get this stuff hammered out. The head mechanic is going to know what's going on with the ship a lot more than the player character at that point.
2: Right, unless they're unless they're the specific engineering type that's like, you know, I want to get hands on and blueprinty with this. Yeah, so, un- I mean, unless but my...
1: that player character is going to need to have knowledge engineering in order to do or understand anything. Exactly, yeah.
2: and like, if that's your character, great. If you want to take on personally the management of your ship, do it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But
2: understand that there is a time to delegate.
0: Yeah, there's a time to delegate. But if you are specifically playing a character who's part of a starship, and you're like, well, I'm a weapons engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to calibrate the guns while we go to fight the Reapers. That's what you do during downtime. You know, somebody goes, oh, what are you doing during downtime? I'm like, oh, well, I'm playing a weapons engineer. I'm making sure all the lenses on the lasers, while they're uh, snugged inside the hull, are clean. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my job as the head engineer or head weapons tech guy. I'm making sure the power flow regulators are working making sure that the
2: ship isn't going to be yeah. some janky shit when because, it actually happens.
0: Well, as a player character, I'm interested in this stuff, and my dice rolls are probably going to be a lot better than most
1: NPCs. Well, that's the way I was thinking about doing it, is that they literally play... It, it's It's the same ship I'm talking about from uh, Battlefront 2, the n- new Electric Boogaloo. The latest one where they have, oh, you play the Empire, but of course you're going to defect to the other fucking side. But it's that same ship, the Empire. Uh, Imperial Raider. Let me pull up... I,
0: I'm not a big fan of Raiders because usually the only time they get good DPS is when they're in the uh, quarter, the, the 45 degree arc behind the enemy ship. And then, you know, you got to have your loadout be specifically disruptors, uh, preferably cannons. Uh, so this is going to be a total cannon build. You're going to want disruptors and maybe plasma or Polaron on. Those would be the two that. Oh, we're talking Star Wars. Yes,
1: Star Wars.
0: I was thinking Klingon Raider. Ah! I mean, well, I mean, he, he,
2: this is actually a good point. You, you're he's talking firing arcs and vulnerability zones.
0: Well, with a with a Klingon Raider actually in Star Trek Online, Raiders uh, when they you hit the enemy ship from behind, you get a damage bo- bonus versus their shields. So if you go with disruptors, once you peel through their shields, you're gonna just rip their armor to shreds?
2: Right, and the that's that's actually a very good point, is how do you deal with obvious vulnerable zones? Like, you've got basically a sea boat, right, for your mm-hmm. Pathfinder game. Well, there is not going to be cannons on the ass end of that ship. Not likely. Oh, well, okay, it, they, okay, they okay so, it, so this they is the thing.
1: It. My guys are, I got two Navy boys. Hey, stop thumping the table! I got two navy boys and they we went through and spec'd out specifics on the ship. So they've got one primary nose mounted mega gun. Of course, you got your spinal mount. Your your space battleship Yamato. <laughs> yeah. And then they got one, uh one. what is it? It's either two on each side or three on each side basically handball fucking little cannons. And then on the back, they got fucking crossbows, you know, the, the big old fucking... ballista. Yeah, ballistas, fucking scorpions, actually. They got fucking the, the big scorpion launchers. Mm. One on each corner of the back of the ship.
2: At least they're thinking about firing arcs, because that's... What your players have done is create a firing arc in all directions. Yeah, yes.
0: you're, you're going to want to think about firing arcs, especially if you're using miniatures. I would definitely well, suggest getting some templates...
1: That's why I like this. Like, I've actually got a game downstairs from a friend who is... I've tried to hit him up. He doesn't have me on Facebook anymore. I don't know what's up with that. But I have an old D&D module. I'll show you guys when we take a break after this one. And it's literally all about skyships. I haven't read it in a couple years now. But as you can see from this model here for the Star Wars uh, X-Wing game, you have firing arc markers here. And you actually have a firing arc uh, rail so the, to go with it.
2: yeah so in, in the image that he's showing is basically a full kit and caboodle for uh, Imperial Raider in the X-Wing which game which
1: I just bought and should be here tomorrow
2: fun story my roommate has one of these also a fun story that game that that is from takes five ever
1: no it doesn't uh-huh. no. I have played it and it's been over in an hour And you've had very quick matches.
2: Because most of the ones that I've either been in or watched have taken two to
1: three. Isn't it it
0: funny where a game about combat takes five hours between two ships where the combat on screen, if it lasts more than five seconds,
1: they have some very incompetent gunners. Well, that's the thing is it really comes down to the players because I found this out when I was playing Armada, which let me...
0: Armada. Oh, now he's looking for it.
1: So I ordered this tiny one, and this is everything that comes with.
0: Oh, it's so cute! <laughs> now,
1: to give you a perspective, I showed you guys... So this is Star Wars Armada, which was game came back, I believe, 2016, 2017. It came out. I picked up Armada itself. I really didn't get too into it, because no one ever wanted to play. But this ship is just smaller than a Corellian Cruiser.
0: Uh, you mean a Corvette?
1: Corvette there you go, Carillion Corvette um and they have it set up with your arcs and your shield ratings and and I find this really good for a ship to ship battle scenario to use these miniatures because they've already got a whole system, it has a grid map, you play on a 3 foot by 3 foot square and it moves around and Armada is a lot faster than X-Wing for several reasons, you don't have to do that, well I gotta plan my next 6 steps outward, No. With Armada, it's pretty, you know, alright, my turn, your turn, go. I'm going to shoot, I'm going to move, I'm going to move, I'm going to shoot. And it's pretty straightforward. X-Wing, in my limited experience with it, they were fast, but it still was a lot clunkier. And the only reason they went fast is because these were people who were doing the demonstration over and over and over again at, funny enough, RadCon. Because they had it out on the game table. And I really wanted to play, and then I realized it was X-Wing and not Armada.
2: Oh, I mean, it makes sense. It's, none of what you're saying is wrong, mm. right? X-Wing is a very clunky game, but it does have firing arcs and range. Which, which is the two major things that you were bringing up.
0: Yeah, yeah, when it comes to weapons, firing arc and range are very important. Like, uh, I would say like a ballista in air with an airship uh, for the Pathfinder game. After max range, pretty much, that ballista bolt is just going to drop out of the air. After max range, we say, if they have a uh, catapult mounted on the prow, after it hits max range, that boulder is just going to free fall.
1: They become long darts. Everything becomes a long dart after you know they reach maximum. Even the little hand cannons, which are just the little one-man cannons that are mounted to the railing, yeah, they don't have the full drawback. The ship's just going to go, whoa. And eventually... With enough crit fails, it will uh, detach itself and wound the person using it.
0: Well, I, I would even say, you know like if I was to build a ship and pathfinder for say if I wanted to go totally just straight up spell jammer with that shit, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted you know take on the yogi and Illithids and whatever else in space, and I build a particle cannon based off of meteor swarm. It has a maximum range, I believe, about 180 feet. Uh, Don't quote me on that one. I'm just taking that out uh, range off the top of my head Uh, but after 180 feet that meteor swarm would become ineffective the spells effect ends and Physical weapons that are non magical. I would say the same story Uh, in fact in games like Star Wars uh, Not just Star Wars, but the actual lore of the uh, Canon universe uh, at least pre Kathleen Kennedy era Star Wars, the the range on the cannons was only, I think, like, two kilometers or something like that. It, It wasn't, like, super extensive. Maybe it was about 10 kilometers. But after a certain point, because of particulates in space, we know space is, you know, a vast void, but it's not completely devoid. And after a certain distance, the particles fired from the cannons would eventually just deteriorate to the point where
1: they were non-effective.
2: Yeah, Yeah. they would just dissipate into nothingness.
1: Well, especially because a lot of them, yes, there were turbo lasers mounted on some of the ships, but a lot of the firearms, when you get into the deep lore of what they consider Legends cannon, you're firing ionized plasma, basically, burps, right? Your guns would have a canister of this uh, high-energy fuel, basically. And the whole point of the gun was I go and it's going to open and close quickly but I'm going to get enough of that material out and ionize it within the gun that it's going to shoot in the direction where I point my gun. So I'm shooting that. Or if you have the Wookiee's gun, you literally were firing a fucking uh, like the, the bow caster that Chewie had. Yeah. You were firing an actual like fucking rebar rod. And...
2: Then superheated.
1: Oh yeah, you superheated it but it hit and that's why every time you saw Chewie shoot someone with it they would go flying because they're literally getting hit with a fucking rebar rod
2: which you know unlike most of the other weapons isn't going to is going to knock you off your ass more so than just the impact of lasers and plasma
0: yeah i I know it's, it's fantasy and everything we all know that uh plasma is superheated farts and
1: basically it is it's
0: basically superheated parts and when you fire that you know especially in space because space happens to be kind of on the colder side of frosty
1: it's going to dissipate
0: it's going to dissipate that superheated gas is going to lose temperature rapidly it's not going to be superheated after a a short amount of time unless you're in a specific environment and then things might get super lethal and you got environmental hazards uh, so, yeah, all your weapons are going to have a range. You're not going to have to have the Isaac Newton speech uh, before each game where ship combat takes place. <laughs> unless the player characters decide to resort to uh, rail guns or other physical cannons,
1: yeah, where
0: the force of the object is not impeded until it actually does hit
1: something. Yeah, but even but... then, you also got to go with the lore of the world. And in Star Wars... Uh, having a physical projectile was really looked down on because of how much damage it did. That's why the Stormtrooper armor could take the blast of plasma and it would just cause you to pass out because it's better for you to pass out than to have a fucking bullet hole go through you. Because you could only dissipate the energy so much and the suit would actually squeeze you a bit. But it was better than just wearing nothing because there's no real way to dissipate the energy unless you're dragging a fucking Faraday cage around all day. Which is yeah, a pain in the ass. Well, it's impractical, but yeah. Well,
0: no, it's not impractical. You just make your armor out of a Faraday cage.
1: That's literally what the armor did, but it would only take so much, and then it would cause you to pass out and drop, so you're not. going
0: No, one of communicators were always faulty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that explains
2: a lot, actually. Yeah, it does. <laughs> now, Goblin mentioned something that's actually rather important: environmental hazards. Your your Pathfinder setting has magic. Mm-hmm. Conjure (laughs) Windwall. Anything that you can do to fuck with the weather, Mm. do it. Because these environmental hazards are going to affect the entire combat. Both ships, all ships. As well as be fucking nasty to aim in. Because I don't know if you've ever shot in a windstorm. It's Yeah, it's
1: not fun. Uh, But another thing I need to throw in also is the ship can't fly forever. It needs to land and rest for periods of time because... The magical things on them eventually just go. poop, I know work for a while, yeah. Because you only have, time. yeah, recharge. You know your your magic user who is actually running it is going to need time and to rest.
2: Yeah, I mean even with you know your standard three ship elevators or three shifts, I should say. You know, if you're running a boat on magic and it requires a caster every day. Mm-hmm. They're, the they're going to—they're going to run dry.
0: Oh, I guess I should explain that system for our listeners. If anybody's out there still, I know the pandemic has killed off about one quarter of the world right now. Nah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Captain Trips. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, the system—the way it worked—and I think this is the same one Blasphemous is using, which is a system I came up with in a former game to kind of hamstring ships a little bit because. A lot of players look at airships as the end-all, be-all in a fantasy game, like, oh, we got an airship, we can do anything we want now.
2: Well, <clears throat> yes and no.
0: Okay. Yes and no. And I just dumped the table really hard, sorry about that one, but Blasphemous did it first and I had to repeat. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the system I had with the airship is it actually had a onboard, uh, basically navigation bay nearby the captain's quarters, uh, usually near the aft end of the ship. And inside the chamber was basically a, for lack of better words, a magical Faraday cage that would harness the expended spell energy of the person inside of it. And they had to be an arcane caster, preferably a sorcerer, but wizards would work, uh, barge would work, but it was preferably an um, arcane caster. And they would sit basically in this small little chamber, uh, thankfully that had windows installed so they could at least get fresh air and stuff.
1: Oh, for the few minutes they were alive.
0: No, that depended. That depended. Uh, That guy actually burned everything in that situation. Uh, But that was part of the um, caveat to that ship. Was if somebody expended their last spell slot, the ship would basically uh, consume whatever was still in in there. So, if you didn't have any spells to cast to keep the ship aloft... The ship would just cannibalize the person inside the chamber. Nom, 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 nom. I still
2: need a battery. You're still here. Yeah, that was
0: part of the hazard to it. So like evil uh, kingdoms, they would just take commoners and throw them down in the chamber and and let the ship run for an hour, put it in hover mode, pull the corpse out, throw a new body in there, and then keep going.
1: Sounds like the Rekutton Empire.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, The ship, however, though, um, in that system for every spell level expended by the person in the chamber the ship would stay aloft and be able to travel up to maximum speed for one hour at a time so your first level character could run it for three hours a day yeah and you were traveling i think at a speed of about 40 miles per hour top end when the wind was in your favor Uh, if you were um, encountering headwinds i believe it was cut down to about 25 30 miles an hour But at that point, you guys had an NPC with you who actually had, um, I think it was six spell slots or six spell levels in total. So he would be able to fly the ship for six hours continuously before needing to rest and regain his spells as normal.
1: Yeah, uh, so the way I did it on my level nines was the ship was literally fueled by the soul of a great worm white dragon. Uh, and its soul was caught inside of an artifact so they used the artifact to fuel the magic needs of the ship but it had a cooldown thing where it had to drop every like 12 hours the ship could go 12 hours and then that was it it would have to sit down and rest for at least an hour or until the dragon spirit felt like operating the ship because it had a personality of its own in the new one they basically have a core, which, you know, lesser magic devices are fed into. Uh, and then a sorcerer or group thereof I haven't really gotten the nitty-gritty done yet, have to maintain the levels of, you know, magic flow. Okay, so you just keep you're the levitation going.
2: Like an engineering team dedicated yeah, to
1: power. That we literally agreed on that, where there are um, so there's the engine crew which is like 5 people and then there's the engineer core which is like 6 table people. thumper. You said repeat. No, I didn't say repeat. <laughs> but um but but that's the thing about it is they've got um you know a, a number of crew speaking with actual naval guys, my, my naval boys. And they're like no, this is how most crews go operate blah 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 blah. So that's how we're running it is that uh you know they actually know what they're talking about when it comes to boats more night. i am I'm, I'm from the fucking desert Fuck if i know right you want to talk about survival i'm your guy but you want to talk about boats these are my guys so we've already got to set up on how it works in fact the engine can't run forever that they have to set down which is the whole reason they went and built a village To house all the crew members, families, and the crew members when the crew is, you know, in dry dock, basically. They built a lake so they could literally just push it out into the water and see how it does as a real boat.
2: I mean, kudos to your players on their forethought, but all the same.
1: The
0: environmental hazard. I'm just waiting for, like, hippies to figure that one out. They're going to be
1: pissed. They They created an artificial lake. Well, that's not too hard you uh basically
0: find a um plume of salt underground uh that's the tricky part but once you find the salt plume salt has a tendency to try to go up while the rest of the strata goes down mm-hmm. but usually uh when drilling for oil uh it'll appear around salt plumes a lot too because of the uh, different weights of the materials underground but all you got to do is basically just bore down nearby the salt plume once you hit groundwater boom instant lake Okay. it's happened before (laughs) thank you Simon and one of those great fucking YouTube videos of today I found out (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sponsored by him I'm not friends with him we don't email each other but he does great videos and that's what I fall asleep to is (laughs) biographics about serial killers and shit (laughs) <laughs> and salt plumes and but deep I mean, holes in Siberia
1: and shit. Oh, you're talking about the deepest hole in reality? Uh, I think actually does a video on that. I haven't seen it yet. It's actually pretty good. There's, uh, I believe there's an SCP for that as well. Oh, there's Don't an SCP, SCP for everything. Shot. And yeah. let me guess, it's Keter class? Fucking probably. And by the way, I did a rewatch on exactly what all the different things mean. Keter is just hard to maintain. But of course, every fucking Keter object is listed as fucking world-ending. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, now in the five thousand series, they're trying to introduce two new um, fucking classes besides uh, Keter Euclid and uh, Safe. We're trying to add two more.
0: Ooh, you know, you can actually do that in your space campaign too.
1: Nah. You know what? If
0: if I jump in the game,
1: I already said you're. In it, it's a
0: one. big if number one my character will own the ship and i i know that owning a ship in game in star wars that yeah actually hits you pretty fucking hard i know Mm -hmm. i've done this but i'm gonna own the ship and i'm gonna name it the ss euclid (laughs) it's not marked safe (laughs) and you know what i'm actually gonna put a sign over the brig Okay, because uh, if it's a, if it's an imperial ship, it's going to have a brig, definitely, at least a two-cell minimum. Uh-huh. And it's going to have at least one torture for asking people questions using physical methods that it might be frowned upon by more civilized folk or Americans. Uh, we, we do like... Um, well, it's not waterboarding if you use diesel, I'll just say that. Anyway... I'm going to name that area of the ship the safe space.
1: <laughs> I I would do that, but the other end would be an airlock.
0: No, no, that's the safe space. That's where people go when they want to feel safe, because so I'll just lock them in in that isolation room. Just...
1: Okay, but we can't put... Um, Which doubles as an airlock. SCP-999 in there, because that's the only SCP I actually like. No, we'll put SCP-1. But one is. Con- uh, fucking... Nobody can agree on what one is. Which is weird, because I remember a couple years ago where two was the big angel guy. Three was. Um, Garden of Eden. Yeah. And yeah, and then now. I don't know, it's weird.
0: I'll, I'll just name it SCP 049. <laughs> I assure right. you, my cure is most effective, Doctor. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, back to spaceships. Uh, well, general ship combat. In general, yeah, we were we started on combat, but we're all over the place because well, in combat playing...
1: comes down more to than just all right, I fire my fucking laser. It comes down to all right, we're running the ship. Your ship has crew members. How are you gonna do? Oh well, your ship took how much damage? All right, random roll, random roll. You lost these many crew members. Now you gotta limp home.
2: And added caveat of tell the families oh
1: and and don't worry about
0: you know the ship has problems that's all part of the personality of the ship one of the ones that was brought up early on actually i want to say second edition uh Faza star wars so so we're going back to the d6 system here oh jesus yeah uh one of the ones they mentioned was about the millennium Falcon itself and the fact that Han had such a hard time getting the ship to do what it was supposed to at specific intervals. And it was kind of part of the ship's personality at that time. And they said, don't, uh, you know, you can add these things to the, the ship, but don't try to fix every problem with the ship. And he's like, well, imagine this, like if Han Solo and the rest of the guys left the ship and a bunch of stormtroopers were like, Hey, we should take that ship and put it in impound. It will make it harder for those bad people who are screwing up with the Empire's plans for peace it'll make it harder for them to get around the, the galaxy and do their mucky mucks they get on board the aluminum falcon only to have the aluminum falcon refuse to leave port right because Han had troubles getting the thing to start you know it's like when you get into a car and you turn the key and you're like come on come on come on come on or they're in a space chase, like, say the Stormtroopers actually do get the Aluminum Falcon to start. They get out of dock, they're flying along. Han is like, "Help! we've got to catch it. What the Stormtroopers don't realize is that usually when Han says, let's kick in the light speed, you know, it doesn't do it, right? So this means the player characters are, like, catching up to the ship. The Stormtroopers like, screw this, we got to get out of here, let's go in the hyperdrive. They do the deal and weep, 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 weep. Crap
1: see, thanks to the Kathleen Kennedy era, now that's because there is a um... Oh, Jesus. A droid... It was, it was a uh... This
2: just... It, look, can we just
0: stop <laughs> dude, before dude, you give us both heads? That movie gave me pancreatic cancer, okay?
1: And hey, remember, the one lesson to learn is that um... Captain Smooth fucking Lando is apparently a pedo, according to the creators? Uh,
0: yes. There's actual physical proof of that. Screenshots. Uh, that... Yes, yeah, children are included into his sexual appetite. So yeah. this is what Disney is uh, supporting.
1: and um, Which I had the damnedest time trying to find that. I still have not found that tweet.
0: Um, I, no, it wasn't a tweet. It was a news article.
1: Well, no, it, they tweeted that out.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I, I saw it. their screen screencapped somewhere. Once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. I might dig bored if motivated, but I'm not motivated. Uh, but it is out there. I've read it. It might be on Reddit. Uh, anyway, just saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's yeah. just one of the things Shit. with
1: having a ship. Is, yes, they will have their quirks. And it's one of those things of, you, I don't know if you all know this. I know I do. You live in a bad neighborhood. You have your car just running. It doesn't need to be fancy. doesn't need to be fixed. You keep it so it just runs long enough for you to get to working back. Maybe to get it to the mechanic and tell him, you know what? Just make it so that it runs. Because you don't want a car that's all brand new, all tricked out, and all that, because you know why? That shit's going to get stolen. You live near the border, that shit's going to be in Tijuana, chopped up into 50 different pieces.
0: Funny story, actually. Uh, Speaking about living on the border, one of my co-workers, who actually works in the same building you do, oh boy, he used to live down by the border, and he got tired of his pickup truck getting stolen. Number one stolen vehicle. His pickup truck kept getting stolen, and 99.9% of the times it was, what do they call them now, undocumented, um... Pinche mojados. Uh, people who translocate from one area to another without asking uh, the locals to move in kind of stuff. Anyway, he got tired of this vehicle getting stolen. I said we went out and he bought himself a five-penny nail. And it turns out the springs underneath hit the seat in his truck, which were, it was, it was basically springs with foam over it. But the springs were old and worn because this is an older, like 1975 truck. He just put this into a, basically a couple of two by fours and put it under the seat on the driver's side. His truck got stolen and he found it two blocks down with blood all over it. Turns out somebody got in to steal it. And the first bump they hit, the seat went down and went back up and they got a nail in the ass. <laughs> this truck got stopped getting stolen after that point. He had a conversation with the cops afterwards. They're like, yeah, we found your truck. And there's blood everywhere, so uh, crime scene. And he was like, no, look under the seat. And there's like a nail. And they're like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're in space, take efforts to guard your ship. Because if player characters, being the way they are, will steal anything that's not nailed down. And in space, it's really hard to nail shit to a planet. <laughs>
2: I mean, space to, elevators
0: are about Space the other elevators. Day. Suffice to say, there's someone a else good is gonna, chance that
2: someone else is somebody
0: else thing. out there might try to steal your shit. And if you built a really primo ship and you've made some enemies,
1: they're going to do. Yoink. Hey, here's the key to our fancy new ride.
0: Hey, might, they might try to pull the Slave 1 maneuver on it and steal the ship.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be a thing. No one steals Boba Fett's ship. They tried. Bad idea. Bad idea. Even while he was in the Sarlacc pit, his ship was unmolested. I mean, he probably got a reputation after
2: the first time.
1: Well, he was in three times, and he would come back every year on the anniversary and fire from space at the Sarlacc pit. Just to fuck with it. Well, because he couldn't kill it. Oh. He tried to. Like, all the time. That was his obsession after that. <laughs> Uh, so yes, I believe that brings us down to rapid fire, and considering we are a little behind the times because real-life aggro, uh, what do we got today, fellas?
0: Uh, well, I've already mentioned Last of Us 2 sucks balls. Bethesda is screwing up again. You know what? I thought a pandemic would fucking take care of the video game scene, but no, Bethesda, once again... Uh, has shown that they are being the evil, greedy corporation they are and giving EA a run for their money. Uh, shit. You know, in the, in the world of video games- Oh! Minecraft is coming out with 1.16 here soon.
2: As well as Minecraft Dungeons, I've seen.
0: Uh, Minecraft Dungeons I am totally not excited for. Uh, if I had the time to do it, I would do a game review. Because so far, Dungeons has been nothing more than Diablo with more stable servers and lesser graphics.
2: And minecraft graphics. It, it,
0: it's it's minecraft graphics. That's it. It's it's Diablo. It, 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 minecraft du- Dungeons is Diablo.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much what they're selling it as. Yeah. I mean, other things that I know of, um, Satisfactory is moving on to Steam come June 8th. Uh, if you don't know what Satisfactory is, um, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, currently you can get it on the Epic Store in early access or you can jump to Steam when it comes out basically it's Factorio in 3D
0: And anyone who listens to this uh, yes you've probably seen the advertisements by now Stadia has a trial basis to it don't even bother, save your time Uh, they're not offering to pay you money to download Stadia at this point so it's not worth it still, Stadia is garbage Stadia is crap I cannot uh, elaborate on that more. Just it, it is a fucking landfill on the video gaming scene. It just don't bother.
1: Uh, Blasphemous, what do you got? Well, the big thing that's been bugging me is the uh, YouTube and PlayStation issue going on right now where, well, you get a code showing up saying error and you cannot access your YouTube from your PlayStation, which for me, a guy who uses a PlayStation as an entertainment hub... And use that mainly to watch videos it's a glorified fucking cable box Uh, it's really really fucking annoying so uh, they they say they've got a fix coming out soon but just another thing where all these updates and code changes are really starting to pull apart at each other you've got one thing trying to go to 50 different you know different distributors and uh, as well as Nintendo Switch, still one of the better systems out there. Uh they've seen a major surge recently with that latest wave of switches that hit the market here in the US. They all sold pretty quickly. You know, people out there spending their stimulus check, I guess. I, I spent mine on pussy and beer.
2: Sounds
0: about right. I guess I could have got a switch. Mm.
1: I bought one literally the week. We all went into lockdown.
0: There were some things that I was going to buy the same week that we went in the lockdown, and yeah, that didn't happen. I'm just, god damn it, stupid fucking, god damn it, shit, balls, piss, pussy. I did get a scooter though.
1: Yep, yep. He is now freely mobile. Running fear. Um,
0: I just need some zip ties and a few dolls, and I will be set to scare little kids as I run them down. <laughs> Maybe some nails, too. Actually, you know what? I've been riding it around at work. And by the rules, you're not supposed to operate any vehicles within the work area, uh, basically inside the building, unless it is a forklift. Forklifts are the only vehicles that you can climb into and drive. So you're
1: going to put a fork on the front.
0: I already did. (laughs) I taped a plastic fork to the front end of it, and so when my lead looked at me, I'm like, look, there's a fork on the front of it. This is a forklift. <laughs> whoosh, whoosh.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> what you should have done was taped, uh, attached it on there so you could push on the back of it and the fork would lift.
0: That would take a lot of mechanization. I don't want to bother with. A piece of tape and a fork was good enough. Anyway, that's <laughs> Game Goblin. This is our space episode. Hopefully, there was a nugget of something in here you got that helped you out with your game, or at least reaffirmed an idea you already may have had. Uh, That is it from me for this week. I am going to go back to my lair. Kalsarkal,
1: back to the skies. Doth Blasphemous signing off and taking some pain meds. They're prescribed, don't worry.
0: Hey, um, if chess is like eating an apple and they start choking on it, what color does what, what what their face? What color does it change to?
1: Of color.